Well, church, there, there are times, aren't there, when you can clearly see the hand of God at work in your life. Uh, I think of our move to Wodonga almost 10 years ago now. We came down in, in the November to, to look for somewhere to live and for somewhere to send our kids to school. The, the house that we wanted had already been vacant for a couple of months uh, and we didn't need it until the January. And so we kind of thought there was no chance that, that we were going to get it. But we put in the application anyway fully expecting that it would be gone by the time that that we arrived and by the time that we wanted it. However, as it turned out, the agent ended up getting back to us saying that the landlord was happy to wait uh, that that time for us so long as we were willing to to sign a 12-month lease, which was exactly what we had wanted to do in the first place. And so we look on this and we see God's hand of provision for us in this. When it came to the schools, we, we visited three different schools. And one was a, a local private school that had been recommended to us. But when we visited, as it turned out, it was an admin worker who showed us around, who ended up saying to us, look, I'd really encourage you to look elsewhere as, as they were full at the time. We looked at another and it was clear that it wasn't going to work out for us. But the third school, it just stood out from the start. Uh, a principal showed us around and he took effort to know us uh, and our kids. The facilities were good and the programs offered were diverse and interesting. Their approach to education was, was really clear and really positive and the teaching staff were really engaged. And so the decision of where to send our kids to school was so easy in the end. Uh, and it's been a blessing then for us over the nine and a half years that we've had kids there and And again, we see this as God's hand just clearly leading us and guiding us, especially as we knew very little about the area uh, at that time. Now, these are these are big events. Uh, And the issue is I have terrible, a terrible memory for, for things like this. So these are the ones that I can remember the details of. But I know that there are countless other occasions in big ways and in small ways where God has worked to lead and guide us and to provide for us. Where, as it turns out, different things have all aligned in such a way that his leading has been clear. Maybe you can think of them in your own life. You bring your flight forward a day just because you decide to give yourself a bit of extra time at your destination. And as it turns out, all flights when you were going to travel uh, end up getting grounded. You miss your bus. But as it turns out, you then bump into someone that you've not seen for 20 years who offers you the job that you're now working in. You go on holidays to a, a small remote location on the other side of the country. And as it turns out, you happen to be there just when your favourite childhood band are playing you know, a one-show-only reunion gig. You meet a mum at playgroup and you get talking about your kids and how uh, one of your older ones just really loves basketball but hasn't been able to find a team that, that works for them, whether in terms of the culture or the, the practice times or, or whatever it is. Now, as it turns out, she happens to be best friends with the coach of one of the local teams and they and she gives you their contact details. Some of these examples are are silly and trivial, I I get that. But they are situations where, as it turns out, this unlikely combination of people and events, they all line up in such a way as that things work out for your good. 
at the front end of it, it was entirely unforeseen how it was going to work out. And to look at it humanly, there's no way that you could have planned for such occurrences. But looking back, you can see how God's hand was at work. Now, you might want to pause here and just with the people that you're with, maybe a neighborhood church, family or or whoever you're uh, with at this time, and want to talk about and share some experiences where this has happened in your life. I appreciate it might be a bit awkward, um, but but in this time of doing church differently uh, out of necessity, we want to take the opportunity to, to reshape it so that it's not just a spectator sport where you're just watching a screen together, but where you actually engage and, and have conversations beyond football or beyond uh, what you did over the weekend and to have start having God conversations together. And so take a moment and just, just share with one another uh, times and events, big or small, where you can see God's hand clearly leading uh, as you look back over how things went. Now, as we look at our own lives or even these examples that I've given, we could attribute such things as just, you know, a chance or, or luck. But the book of Ruth demonstrates to us that behind such chance encounters is actually a divine hand who is orchestrating things to his good purpose. Behind the, as it turned out, behind the, it just so happened, is a sovereign God who is turning it out for good. So let's have a look at this from Ruth chapter 2, which is where we are today. We'll actually start back at the last verse of chapter 1 before reading on. And it says there, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And from here, we could actually jump, just jump straight into verse 2 of chapter 2, which actually makes much more sense narratively. But the author has added, added like a, a parenthesis here in verse 1 to give us a hint of what is to come. So let's read on. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, here's the important phrase, as it turned out. Humanly speaking, this looks like an accident of chance. But the writer in this story wants us to know that there is more going on. They've taken the time to introduce Boaz to us, letting us know that he he is of Elimelech's clan and so is family to Naomi. Tells us too that he is a man of integrity and influence and means, and a man of standing and good repute. And then it just so happens that Ruth goes out to this particular man's field. I mean, what are the chances of that? Well, the writer wants us to know that it's not chance, but providence, that it's not an accident, but is part of God's good sovereignty. This is evident not even just in the moment itself, but in what made this moment even possible in the first place. 
See, after Israel's exodus from Egypt, uh, while they were wandering in the desert before taking possession of the promised land for themselves, God had given them instruction already on how they were to behave at that future time. And he told them that when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen Rather, leave them for the poor and for the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. And so this is exactly what Ruth is doing. As a foreigner within the land, as a widow with only another older widow to care for, poor and with nothing, powerless and dependent, she was here gleaning in the fields. Uh, something that was made possible because years earlier, God had made a provision for such an occasion. God had made a provision for such a person and this moment. And so with God's good working in mind then, the writer continues the story and now we meet Boaz himself from verse 4. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? In these few verses, we get a good sense of who Boaz is. He greets his workers cheerfully and with God's blessing and they respond likewise. Now, it could just be a polite greeting. It could just be a, hi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks, kind of a thing. But if that's all it was, why write it down? Rather, I think it's communicating a sense of Boaz's faith as it shows his interaction with those who work for him. There's also a sense of the relationship that he has with his workers, one of kind of mutual joy and appreciation. And then, having greeted his workers, Boaz moves to reach out to Ruth. He provides for her as he encourages her to stay working in his fields, shouldering the impact of her gleaning entirely upon himself. I mean, he could have recommended some other fields to go to, but, but he bore the full brunt of, of uh, providing the gleanings for her, as, as well as then offering her the water that his own men have collected rather than expecting her to, to stop working to go and collect some or to bring some of her own with her. He also protects her as he's told his men not to harm her, not to hinder her, not to lay a hand on her, with the implication then that if she went somewhere else, she may not have actually been as safe. Now, these might seem like kind of simple and reasonable things, but notice her response. She is overwhelmed. 
She bows to the ground before him, questioning the cause of such favour or of such grace being shown to her. Because she is aware, and the writer is at pains to make sure that we are aware of her status. In verse 2, she's Ruth the Moabite. In verse 6, she is the Moabite who came from Moab. And now in verse 10, she expresses her, again herself that she's a foreigner. Her status as an outsider is emphasised again and again, which makes Boaz's care stand out so much. As it turned out, Ruth ended up gleaning the field of a godly man. And Boaz is then the instrument of God to express his care and protection of the foreigner, of the outsider, of the weak and the dependent. So then we read on. Boaz replied, in response to her question, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, uh, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Now notice how Boaz has just gone above and beyond in his provision to Ruth. It's not just that he's letting her collect, you know, what happens to fall to the ground behind his workers. He's telling them to actively give to her from what they themselves collect. And the result is that she gathers far more than expected. She has about 13 kilos of threshed barley and the leftovers from her lunch with Boaz. This is a hefty load for her to carry home. It's like during the the grocery shortages early on in COVID and you'd go out to hunt for the basics like flour and the only way you could get it was in like 12 and a half kilo, 15 kilo bags, these big hefty things. That's what Ruth was bringing home. As it turned out, far more than expected, far more than what would meet their needs. It reminds me of the description of God that Paul gives in his letter to the Ephesians. He describes God as him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And so seeing what she brought home, verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. 
Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, said Naomi to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Remember back in verse 3, as it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz. Ruth didn't know the significance of whose field she was working in until now as Naomi explains it to her. It just so happened that this godly, generous provider was a relative and more than that, that he was one of their guardian redeemers. And we'll consider what that means more in the coming weeks. But here we see that God is clearly at work in providing for this family. We see it too in that Naomi recognises Boaz as God's means of answering her own prayer for Ruth. See, back in chapter 1, Naomi prayed for her daughter, daughters-in-law that uh, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And here she recognises that God has not stopped showing his kindness. Now remember, Naomi turned up back in Bethlehem telling them to call her Mara, which means bitter, as she was in the midst of her experience. But now after the fact, she can look back and see God's kind hand continuing to work through Boaz now, even in the midst of the most dire of situations. It's so like our experience, isn't it? I mean, in the midst of it, we can feel like we look in vain to see God's hand. But a bit further down the road, as we look back and just see how things turned out, we are often able to look back and see the way that God was using it, the way that God was turning it out for good by, by himself. Well, let's finish this chapter then. Verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabite said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. So the story finishes with Ruth spending two harvests in Boaz's fields. God continues to protect and provide for her and Naomi through Boaz's ongoing care for them. As it turned out, Ruth went to glean in just the right field. And as she does so, we see God, see that God was still working for good, even in or especially in their desperate situation. You know, we can, we can believe this in a big picture kind of, kind of global sense. We can know that, that God is sovereign, God is good, God's working all things out. And we can know that as a, as a general kind of idea or concept. But what the story of Ruth shows us is that we can believe it in a very local and, and personal sense. See, God's sovereignty, his, his providence, his goodness, they are not just abstract big ideas, but they are aspects of his nature and his character that are experienced by us personally. So how do we respond then to what we've seen in this passage today? 
Well, I think firstly, we need to know that we are under the shadow of the wings of God. Just as a little chicken will we'll find shelter and protection under the wings of a hen. Boaz said of Ruth that she had come to take refuge under God's wings. This is a place of safety and security. It's a place of comfort and protection. It's a place of stillness and rest. It's a place of help and of hope. This is where our confidence lies in being under the wings of God. This whole COVID situation has made our lives very unpredictable and uncertain. We're unable to plan for the future. We can't bank on things working out as we expected. We can't look too far ahead because we don't know what else is going to change, what new restriction or requirements going to come into place. But the reality is, that's what our life is normally like. We just get lulled into this false sense of security. COVID has shown us that that we can't place our, our, our trust, our confidence in our circumstances, which are unpredictable and are out of our hands all the time, to be honest. Just as the famine had had done this for Elimelech and and for his family. And so that's not where we need to find our security, in in our circumstances, in our planning or, or in such. We find it under the shadow of God's wings, in the context of our ongoing relationship with the good and the sovereign God. And so knowing this, knowing we are under the protection of his wings, we keep moving forward. I don't know what situation you might find yourself in. I don't know what loss or devastation you might be experiencing. But we keep acting in faith. And as we do so, we keep moving forward. Just as Ruth went gleaning in the fields, we do what we do know while we wait out the parts that we don't know yet. And as we do so, as it turns out, God is at work in ways that we could never see or, or foresee. But maybe you don't have that confidence because unlike Ruth, you have not trusted in God. You're not in a relationship with him where, where you find yourselves under the shelter of his wings. Well, there's hope for you too because Ruth's story shows us that the gospel or the good news of life with God. See, Jesus is a better Boaz. See, where where Ruth was weak, powerless, in need, poor, dependent, Boaz came and showed her grace. We'll see it more in coming weeks, but, but Boaz brought Ruth into his family, giving her hope and a future, giving her her life and all that she needed. Well, Jesus does the same for us. In our sin, we are weak and powerless, unable to, to provide for ourselves, unable to save ourselves. But Jesus comes and he shows us grace, dying in our place for our sin to give us his life as he welcomes us into his family and he brings us then under his wings. Maybe today the way that you need to respond to this passage is to throw yourself on the grace of God in Jesus, to put your faith and trust in the better Boaz and so come into God's family. Lastly then though, I also want to suggest that you might very well be the, as it turned out. You might be the, it just so happened. You might be a Boaz, 
the, the means God uses to show his kindness, his goodness, his love, his protection, his loyalty, his provision, his compassion, his justice to others. This might be as simple for you as just reaching out to someone with a phone call, someone who you know is struggling. Maybe it's getting involved in standing up for Black Lives Matters. Maybe it's volunteering to work with refugee families. Or maybe it's taking a meal to a new mother. Whatever it is, you might, you know, as it turns out, be a part of how God is working in the life of someone else. Having heard God's word and reflected on what it might mean for us, let's, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this story of Ruth and of Boaz. You know, when, when so much of the Bible, you know, this took place in the time of the judges, which is all about kind of Israel's history and these big dynamic moments of them as a nation. And then we have this story that is just so local and so personal. Three main characters just interacting as they trust together in you. And so we thank you for, for this, God, that reminds us that who you are and what you are like is not just a, a big concept, but it's true and actual and, and local and personal in us. Just as Jesus came and dwelt among us, uh, so too this story reminds us that, that you're here with us in all things. So God, I pray that in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, God, be it good and we see your hand of favour, be it hard and difficult and we are wondering where on earth are you? That in the midst of it, God, that we can know that we are still under the shadow of your wings, experiencing your love and your care, your protection, knowing your kindness to us, a kindness that never fails. And knowing this truth, God, that we can just keep on living out our faith, living out what we do know, trusting you for what we don't. And God, I pray too that we might not just be kind of passive you know, recipients of what you're doing for us, but that we might be actively uh, perhaps your means, your, your instruments of showing your goodness to others. May we be the as it turns out in someone's life, God. May we uh, act, may you prompt us in such a way. And so we pray this, God, and ask that you would use us, change us, grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, next week we're continuing through, through Ruth uh, and, and we're in chapter 3 next week and the topic is how to find your spouse. So that might be uh, one to tune in for. Um, but before then, uh, maybe you're meeting with a neighbourhood church. Maybe you're meeting just with family or with close friends. But I'd, I'd encourage you to, to share the situation that you find yourself in to, and to then pray for each other about that. I mean, you don't have to go into masses of detail, but, but let's uh, be fostering this experience of life together as we follow God and come around each other, support each other and, and help each other in this way. So share the situation that you find yourselves in and pray for each other. Maybe too, you might want to think about who or, or how you can be the, the as it turns out in someone's life. Maybe that's something that you can do as a group, not even just as an individual. Uh, you might want to pause here 
as you need to, to have a conversation about this. And then as you're ready, let's respond to what God has said to us as we then sing, sing together. We declare together that our hope is found in Christ alone and that in him we are the children of God. So let's sing and respond to what we've heard from God today.